Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 4 through 15. When a great crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from one city after another, he spoke to them in a parable. A farmer went out to scatter his seed. As he was scattering it, some fell on the path where it was crushed, and the birds in the sky came and ate it. Other seed fell on rock. As it grew, it dried up because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorny plants. The thorns grew with the plants and choked them. Still another seed landed on good soil. When it grew, it produced a hundred times more grain than was scattered. As he said this, he called out, Everyone who has ears should pay attention. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, You have been given the mysteries of God's kingdom, but these mysteries come to everyone else in parables, so that when they see, they can't see, and when they hear, they can't understand. The parable means this, the seed is God's word. The seed on the path are those who hear, but when the devil comes and steals a word from their hearts so that they won't believe and be saved. The seed on the rock are those who receive the word joyfully when they hear it, but they have no roots. They believe for a while, but fall away when they are tempted. As for the seed that fell among thorny plants, these are the ones who, as they go about their lives, are choked by the concerns, riches, and pleasures of life, and their fruit never matures. The seed that fell on good soil are those who hear the word and commit themselves to it with a good and upright heart. Through the resolve, they bear fruit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Good morning, church. So glad to be with you this morning. Um, We are beginning a new season. Uh, Last Wednesday night, we marked the beginning of the season of Lent. And that is about the 40 days, I like to call it the 40 days, that lead us to the cross and to the empty grave. And we mark this season by quite literally marking our foreheads with the sign of the cross with ashes, burnt ashes. And, you know... Ash Wednesday reminds us of our mortality in that, our dependence upon God, that from dust, we, that God breathed life into us, and to dust, someday we will return. Now, that may sound a little bit morbid to, to celebrate that, but it can be a beautiful time, a time in which we reflect and we remember what life really is about. It's a time of reflection, repentance, turning away from our old self, the sins of our life, our brokenness, and turning toward God, turning toward God for a deeper relationship with God, a deepening of understanding. So as this is the first Sunday of the Lenten season, we're kicking off a new series. We're entitling it Parables and Passion. 
Now, I hope that you've signed up to be a part of those 40 Acts, a 40 Acts guide. There's a devotional that will come to your inbox in your email every morning except for Sunday, Sundays, because Sunday is celebrated as a little resurrection every Sunday, a time of celebration. And so for six days a week, you'll receive a Lenten devotional that will have a parable, um, something for you to reflect upon and an act in which you can live that out in your daily life. And so we've named this Parables and Passion because we're going to explore a parable every Sunday, and then we're going to also look at the life of Jesus, his passion, part of his life and sacrificial love here on earth. So will you pray with me as we begin this morning? Good and gracious God, help us to have ears to hear eyes to see, hearts to understand. Oh God, I pray that the meditations of my heart and words of my mouth might be acceptable in your sight. Let your words fill me, God. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, some have said that the parables that are throughout the Gospels, mostly the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there's a few in John, but not very many, are seen as the hallmark of Jesus' teaching. As Jesus was teaching by the lake, it says in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, it says this, With many such parables, he continued to give them the word as much as they were able to hear. He spoke to them only in parables, then explained everything to his disciples when he was alone with them. Now, unfortunately for us, we don't have many of those private teachings of Jesus being with the disciples and explaining to them exactly what the parables meant. So we're left like the crowds that gathered to hear Jesus, left to understand or find our own understanding. And, you know, I think this is intended. I really think that this is intended because these stories have meaning in our culture, no matter our time or context. Each reader will hear a message and be able to apply the teaching in their life. Uh, Every time we open the scriptures, we come to the scriptures with some embedded understanding. And the goal of being able to read the scriptures and to really dive into what God is speaking to us, then we have to be ready to have that revelation anew each time we read the scriptures. So reducing the parables to one single meaning destroys the potential for God to work in us and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit in our daily life. Amen? So, and it also does another thing. It, it, it reduces the risk of the disciples getting it wrong. I mean, really, don't we often get it wrong? Because when we're listening... We only hear parts sometimes. Pastor Tim, I have the benefit of hearing his sermon at 9.30, so I always think my 10.45 sermon is way better than my 8.30 sermon, just because I get to hear some of his insights as well. And he asked a question in the 9.30 service. He said, are you a good listener? And I asked him to share with him his experience because, you know, confession is good for the soul. So in 9.30 service, I, I said I'm... Really sad that Terry's here right now to hear this story. You'll understand in a minute why. Um, uh, A couple of years ago, uh, uh, we were in a staff meeting. uh, And uh, here at Salem, we were in a staff meeting. And people who work with me know how I love meetings. 
<laughs> I have a, a coffee mug that says, I just survived another meeting that could have been an email. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of my thought process. I understand we've got to do it. We've got to get together. But, but sometimes I, I, at this point in time, it was hard for me to really stay connected throughout all meetings. And so I'm in this meeting Pastor Terry is leading the meeting, Pastor Sean is there, several other folks around the table, and uh, Pastor Terry is talking, and, and um, I'm there, but I'm not there. Do you know what I mean? I'm listening, but I'm not totally listening, and I, but I'm nodding my head like this, and occasionally I say this, hmm, makes me feel like I'm connected to what's happening, and Pastor Terry's talking, and some other people are putting some input in, and I'm nodding my head, and then I notice that Pastor Terry is actually not just talking to the whole group, she's specifically talking to me, and, and I'm like, oh, wow, and it seems like she might have been talking for a little while, and, uh, and she says, what do you think, Tim? Um, do you think that could fit into what you're doing? Um, and I said, yeah, I could probably carve out some time for that. And the meeting continues going on. I'm like, I better pay attention. And so I start listening, but I still start to wander here and there. And then Pastor Terry looks at me again a little while, and, and now she, she looks at me and she goes, Tim, do you have all of them? And at the time, I was the worship director for our modern service, so, so I was mostly with the band. I thought, she must be asking me about music for this week. Do I have all the music picked? He said, yes, I have all, all of them, all of them. And so Pastor Terry says, okay, that settles it. Tim's in charge. He has all his vaccinations, and his passport is ready. Does anybody have any questions? And I kind of sheepishly raised my hand. I said, well, you know, Pastor Sean, he's new to the staff. For his sake, could we just do a brief recap of everything we just talked about? And it turns out I had agreed to lead a missions trip to Costa Rica. So when we're listening, we catch some of the phrases sometimes, right? I love this about Tim because I can always tell when he's not listening. That's why I ask those questions. <laughs> but when we're, when we're listening to the teacher, a lot of times uh, Jesus knew that they wouldn't always have ears to hear that they would understand just bits and pieces. Now, Jesus was familiar with storytelling. He knew... Um, he knew the teachings of the prophets. He knew the law. He knew the law. And, he would, and we know this because if we go to the Gospels in chapter uh, 5 of the Gospel of Matthew, at the Sermon on the Mount, we hear, you have heard that it was said, right, to those who live long ago, don't commit murder, and all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. He said, you have heard that it was said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you. You, you see, he knew the teachings of the prophets. He knew the law. He knew, the, par he knew the, uh, the praises, the songs, and the prayers of the people on the cross 
Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That comes from Psalm 22. And so he knew all of this and he carried this into his teachings. And he knew the parables, the Old Testament parables. You see, the New Testament is not the only place that we hear the, the parables, the stories that teach. He knew the story of Jonah. He knew the story of Job. And if you remember just a few Sundays ago, I lifted a parable that Jesus would have undoubtedly known. A parable that the prophet Nathan tells King David. Remember that story of how Nathan comes into the presence of King David and he says, there is a rich man who has many sheep and another man who only has one little ewe lamb, this favorite lamb. And a guest comes for dinner and the rich man um, takes that, one man, that man's one and only ewe sheep and serves that sheep for dinner for the guest. And King David is indignant and he says, this has got to be fixed. You know, we're going to have to, this, this man should pay fourfold. And it goes on and on. And Nathan says, you're that man. Nathan was using a parable. And at that time, King David understands and hears the parable and indicts himself. So like the prophet Nathan, Jesus used parables to teach important lessons. And he was quite at home in this style of teaching. The word parable is Greek. In Greek, it actually means parabole, to be thrown alongside, to be thrown alongside. And Jesus told stories that threw the people alongside complicated events happening. And, and so they, he would tell the story and ask people to stop and think about their actions. The parable we're discussing today is the sower or the parable of the sower. Now, in this parable of the sower, Jesus speaks of a farmer and how he threw seeds out amongst the ground. And some seeds fell on soil that didn't nourish it, and others fell on good, fertile soil, and that seed grew. Now, as I said a few moments ago, we don't have many times where Jesus is telling the meaning of the parable, but in this case, we do. If we, as Pastor Tim read further down, this is what the disciples ask, you know, what does this mean? And, and he tells them, he explains to the disciple that the seed is God's word. And each of these types of soil represent those who hear and receive and those who sow the seeds of faith. Now, even though Jesus is using the example of farming, something they would have all understood He's actually talking about the way in which the kingdom of God is being shared. The way the kingdom of God is being shared with others and the way that it is being received. Seeds of faith were being sown. And sometimes these seeds were being plucked up by the temptations. Sometimes these seeds of faith were quick to sprout up and eager, but short-lived because old ways kind of came back into play. And some of these seeds were being choked out by the weeds of the world. Weeds of everyday life, of obligations, of busynesses, of schedules. But the seeds that were sown into good soil, those were the seeds that were sprouting and taking root and bringing a great harvest. 
There's one common denominator in all of this. In every type of soil, do you know what that is? There's a seed. There's a seed that has been sown. And as long as seed is being sown, there can be growth, maybe slower than others, maybe sprouting amongst the weeds, but this fact remains without the seed, nothing has a chance to grow. Now, we know that seed can lay dormant, right, Pastor Tim? Yeah. <laughs> we know that seed can lay dormant sometimes. And um, sometimes I know this because being a farm girl, uh, my dad would plant um, a field of wheat, you could say. And there would be one stalk of corn that would sprout up in amongst the wheat. But that seed had been laying dormant for a long time. But when the soil was cultivated and it was nurtured and there was light and water, then that seed took root and it started to grow. One of the things I find so important about Jesus Christ our Lord is that he experienced every single thing we experience. And that helps me to connect with Christ our Lord in a wonderful way. And he knew that there were temptations. He knew that there would be seed that would lay dormant for so long within somebody's soul, but the seed had been planted. And those temptations would come, and sometimes people would succumb to those temptations, and sometimes they wouldn't. He knew this because he'd been in the wilderness, and he had withstood and come out of it um, perfect. But he'd been there. He'd been in the wilderness. The scripture tells us that right after he's baptized, he is taken, driven out by the Spirit into the wilderness. And there he is for 40 days. That's part of our Lenten journey. That's what, one of the things we remember about our Lenten journey. And so he is tempted by the devil for 40 days. And, and first he's tempted in his hunger. And the song that the choir sang today reflected the beauty of that story. He's tempted in his hunger, but Jesus' response is, it is written, remember he knew the law, he knew the scriptures, it is written people won't live only by bread. Next, Jesus is tempted with glory, and he responds with, it is written, you will worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And finally, the devil tries to tempt Jesus with power. Remember, he's up on a mountain, and he says, go ahead and jump off. Your angels will carry you to safety, right? And Jesus' response, it's been said, don't test the Lord your God. When the devil tries to tempt, Jesus responds with God's word. He responds with God's word. Jesus knew how important it was to sow seeds of God's word into people's lives because it is only by God's word that we're able to overcome the temptations of this world. So it's only by the seeds of faith that we're able to grow in a field of weeds. It's only by the seeds of faith that we're able to grow in dry and thirsty land when God's word is planted in our heart. And then that soil begins to be cultivated and nurtured. Light comes in and water comes in. Then that seed will grow. And let me tell you how powerful one little seed can be. 
One little seed of faith has the power to break anything the devil will throw at us. Tim uh, shared with me earlier this week the story that he'd read about acorns. And, you know, we all have acorns that kind of lay around our yard and, and sometimes more than others. But Dr. G. Campbell Morgan was a British evangelist, author, and Bible teacher. And he tells the story about traveling to Italy and he was there to visit a grave in a cemetery. And he noticed that there was this huge marble slab in the middle of the cemetery. I mean, really huge and thick. He, mo he moves over toward it, and he said that, you know, he could see that almost 100 years earlier, when that person had been buried, there must have been an acorn that had dropped into the grave with the person. And after years, that acorn started to grow because when he get all, got over to this marble slab, there had been a tree that had grown in the midst of it. And it, this little acorn, when it started to sprout, it burst through and broke through this huge marble slab, rolling it over to two sides. And as the tree grew, the marble slabs are rolled away. With some good soil and a little water and just a hint of light, that acorn, that seed, released the power to crack a huge thick marble slab. Now, when that acorn dropped into that grave, nobody yelled bombs away. No. It fell in weakness, right? It's this tiny little acorn. It fell in weakness. But that acorn had the power to break through the deepest and thickest slab. Despite appearances, the strength of that acorn prevailed over the apparent strength of the marble. You see, even on rocky ground, even on thickness of soil, seed has a chance to grow, right? It has a chance of taking root. And it serves as a reminder to not give up sowing seeds. It's important for us, church, to sow those seeds of God's love and God's grace. They may be planted deep. They may lay dormant. They may be in there and nothing, nothing can get through, you think. But those seeds are planted because they can do amazing things in Christ's love. And it serves as a reminder to never give up on praying for someone that you are, you're praying for, right? You're hoping for. To have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, they may be living in rocky and unsettled life but the seed has been planted because with every seed that is thrown whether it's thrown in the most perfect of soil or the rocky desert bare land God can still produce growth it may take longer it may look a little differently it may be prickly but believe me when I say there's no one that God cannot reach but it takes some seed. We have to throw it. We have to offer God's word, God's love, God's grace. We have to offer it in our conversations and our actions, in our service. You may not think your efforts will produce fruit, but don't give up. God is able. God is able. 
and it can produce something far bigger than we could ever imagine. Remember how the, the parable ends in this note of triumph? Remember, as it said, when it grew, it produced 100 times more grain than when scattered. It produced 100 times more grain than when scattered. That's supernatural, church. That's a supernatural harvest. That's that mystery of God that we have to lean into. You see, any farmer can tell you that even with today's modern technology and farming, that nothing will produce that kind of crop. The only way that kind of crop will be produced is through God. And so we lean into the mystery of God and lean into the God is able to do far beyond what we can ever imagine or hope for. As it says in the letter to the church in Ephesus. And another way of putting this, if you're thinking about it in your own life, maybe you've got this deep, dark, thick slab on your heart. I don't care what kind of marble slab it is. It could be fear, it could be addiction, it could be pride or alienation. It could be a slab of pain and hurt so thick that you think nothing will ever be able to penetrate it, nothing will ever be able to break it. But let me tell you, the seed of God's word and God's love can, can break that. Can break that. It will break away the slab. Something supernatural will happen when you put your faith in Christ. And say, God is able. Christ can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see, as Christ told the apostle Paul in a vision... My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. As Christ takes our weakness and makes it his power. When we lean in, to trust, lean in and trust Christ, he can break the power of any sin we think is so deep and so thick that we'll never get past it. Because Christ can. Christ can, but we have to sow those seeds of hope and love. And we have to receive them too. Receive them and let God cultivate our heart. Amen.